Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. As athletes, we have a, a bigger purpose or a bigger call to do just playing the game of baseball or football or basketball. Um, like I said, it's just about the impact you have on other people. Like, that's what's going to be remembered. Tonight we have uh, Anthony Alford. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So brief introduction, uh, Anthony Alford is a native of Columbia, Mississippi. Uh, he is currently playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates as an outfielder, um, but there's much more to him than just being an athlete. And that's what we're going to talk about today on this show. So uh, first, if you could just uh, tell us about your early life and growing up as a, a kid in Mississippi. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, my daughter's crying. Hey, hey, I Wait, can you take that out of the room? <laughs> the trials right. of being a young father. How old is yeah. your daughter now? She's 18 months. Okay. I grew. I lived in Columbia up until I was in like the eighth grade. At the end of my eighth grade year, I, I transferred to Pedal. But like just growing up there, man, it's it's like just knowing like my parents knew it wasn't much exposure as far as like the route I was wanting to take as far um with the athletics and, and baseball in particular because. Um, I went to East Marion and it was like baseball wasn't very good. They were just known more for football and basketball. Um, um, as far as just childhood away from like school and sports, I didn't really have much growing up. Um, lived in government housing um, on Section 8. But at the time, I just thought that was was normal. You know, um, I didn't until I moved to Pedal and got exposed to what success um, really looked like. You know, um, so it just changed my perspective on life and, and and really just made me like raise my level of expectations for myself um, because I knew that was a, when I moved to Peru and saw what success was and it just made me realize like, okay, this is how I want to raise my kids or this is the kind of life I want to live. Um, nothing against the people that live in Colombia, but it just changed my perspective. Um, especially just coming from government housing and, and just seeing my, my family struggling, um, you know, um, but yeah, it was just, it was, it was really night and day. So talk to me about that, because like you said, growing up in a small town, Mississippi is bet, um, football is king, right? So football, yeah. basketball, but where did you get a love for baseball? My mama just put me in it one day. Um, okay. I, baseball was actually my, like I've, I always play like football and basketball in the neighborhood because even in in poor neighborhoods, it's easier to play football and basketball because all you need is the ball or a hoop or basketball. Right. Um, but in baseball, you need like the equipment, you need a field, you need you need people, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But for for baseball, it was my first time playing organized sports, and my mom was actually my first baseball coach. Okay. Um, and so she she kind of like forced me to play. She always put me in all these different sports: football, basketball, soccer, baseball, uh, to keep me out of that environment. So I was always busy with sports. So I never really had a chance to hang out and run the streets with my friends and and do all this other stuff that could have got me in trouble. Sure. Um, but yeah, she she was definitely the person who got me involved in baseball, and it was one sport she made sure I stuck with. Cause I really didn't even care about playing baseball. I just played it cause I was good at it, honestly. Yeah. But, um, so at what age did you start playing? 
six. Okay. Yeah, I was six. So the game came easy at that age? No, I actually sucked at first. <laughs> <laughs> I sucked at first. Like, I couldn't even hit the ball off the tee. And, um, and I'm not a very patient person, so I was ready to just quit. Yeah. And just um, go back to the house and play with my friends. But she, she made me stick with it. And, um, and honestly, she, she, she was, um, she's a big reason why I'm at, why, why I'm here, um, where I'm at right now, because like, that's where I learned perseverance. She, she like forced me to like work on stuff. She like actually took the time. She would like get out there in the yard or take me to the park to, work on work on the game and get better at it. Even though she didn't know what was going on, she just knew that she was somebody I could play catch with. Or, uh, my dad was always working, so and she I spent most of the time at the house with her. Um, so she would always like um, take off time to come work with me. Um, like even on her lunch breaks, I would have tournaments or competition coming up. She, like she would get off from work on her lunch break to come work with me for that hour, hour and a half that she had free and then she'll go back to work, you know? So she was, she was just as dedicated to me being successful at the sport than I was, you know? Yeah. Now that's impressive because like you're saying, get off your lunch break to go practice for a, a little league baseball game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's definitely yeah. not the norm. So that definitely, you know, I'm sure that instills some work ethic early on. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Uh, now tell me about, Man Man's Cafe. So I see this sign behind <laughs> you. Where, where are you located? Yeah, I'm, you can you can find me here on the north side of Kings Mill Subdivision in Oak Grove. Pull up anytime for some some coffee or a smoothie or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just a little. I mean, I, I love drinking coffee um, during the season. I have to have it every day before I go to the field. If I don't, I'm gonna get a headache. So I guess some people might call that an addiction. So <laughs> I was spending right. so much money at Starbucks. My wife was like, let's just get a coffee machine and an espresso machine. You can make your own coffees at home. So that kind of inspired me to kind of like put my own little cafe. It's just really just a collage of pictures of decoration and like a little chef with all my, like my coffee making machine and uh, coffee grinder and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. All right. So we heard uh, one of the babies in the background earlier on. So you know, new father, husband. So tell us how that is, you know, balancing your family with professional baseball. It's it's definitely been a big adjustment. Um, usually um, in the past, it was just me and my wife and we could kind of move and maneuver however we wanted to. She can go and come as she please. Um, during the season, she can come see me during the home stands and then come back home. Whenever we go on the road, uh, but now when you when you throw a kid in the mix, it's it's just tougher to travel, it's, um, especially as much as we do. Um, so it's it's definitely been a big adjustment for us. Um, she's definitely been our uh, biggest blessing at the same time, and it just it just give me more to play for. You know, like I I just always play because I wanted to be one of the best at what I do, and um, but now I, I mean obviously having a kid and about to have our second one is. Like I wanna, I wanna be able to, like in baseball, you have a small window of opportunity to make as much as you're gonna make financially. Um, I, I just wanna be able to, like, create that generational wealth for her and her her kids and my son and his kids, and um, on down the line. Absolutely. Uh, so coming out of high school, so you are a two sport athlete. You are a quarterback mm -hmm. as well as a, a baseball player, and you had the decision to. Were you drafted in? 
coming out of high school, drafted for the major leagues? Yeah, so I um I actually I didn't play in college. I just played like I got drafted out of high school and I, I actually signed and um but at the same time they let me play football in college. Um so coming out of high school, I, I knew I wanted to go to college and play both sports. I was recruited highly in both. I was projected to go in the first round out of high school in, in baseball, but my thing was I, I just didn't want to commit to one and I wasn't ready and then later on down the road be living with some type of regret. So I just wanted to, um, you know, control my own career and, and do things how I wanted to do it, opposed to how people think I should have done it, whether it's, well, you know, go take the money and go play baseball, and then if it don't work out, go back and play football. Um, as you probably know, like getting that, ex- that college experience as an 18-, 19-year-old kid is totally different than trying to come back at 25, 26 when baseball didn't work out. So. Right. Um, yeah, I had the, the best of both worlds um, as far as with that experience. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to play both and 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 see which one I was gonna pursue uh, long term, and that's what I did. So I'm sure coming out of high school, you had many people saying, "Take the money and run," like you said, because in you know most people' mind, in the layman's eyes. When you're talking about baseball, they think there's a major contract, number one, and you're going straight to the major leagues. So kind of talk to yeah. us about the process of, you know, signing that contract, hey, I'm drafted, to actually stepping onto the major league field. Yeah, so like you say, people think that, like Seth, I would have went first round, right? Like I would have still had to work my way up through the system. And while I'm working my way up through the system, like you're not getting paid much, you're pretty much paying to play. So you're pretty much living off of that signing bonus until you get to the big leagues or until you get on a 40 man roster and making pretty decent money. Um, so like people don't realize the grind, whether it's going to rookie ball, plan for $1,200 a month. Um, Say it again. Live, yeah, <laughs> going to rookie ball, plan for like $1,200 a month. Um, living in a hotel with somebody who probably don't even speak your language. Um, the the eight, ten-hour bus rides every three or four days. Um, so, yeah, so, just so much stuff, like, people don't realize. They just see – they just know what they see on TV. And that's at – that, at that point, that's when you've made it to the big leagues. But they don't see what it takes to get to the big leagues. Um, plan – like being gone away from home pretty much eight, nine months out of the year. Um, things like that is what people don't really take into consideration when they say like, oh, well, why didn't you play baseball or, or full time? Like, I mean, I, like, I want to live, you know, like I want to like experience things when I, while I'm, while I'm young and um, enjoy my childhood or enjoy my young adulthood. Um, and so like, that was my biggest thing. Um, Cause those experiences and stuff like like money gonna come and go. Like yeah, I have opportunities to make money later on down the road. But those ex- like the, ex- the experiences is what like you would cherish forever. Absolutely. So you mentioned bus rides, right? So minor leagues, small towns. Like you said, you're finishing a game, riding on a bus throughout the night, going mm-hmm. to another city to play again you know, versus private jets and things. That's what most people think. Oh, lavish living, you know, high rise apartments, 
private jets, yeah. <laughs> fancy cars, but you got to work to get there, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, you, you see people who get drafted in the last round and literally sign for $1,000 and go on to have a 10-year career. And then you see people who get drafted in the first round, sign for millions of dollars, and never make it to the big leagues. So by the time they're done playing, they might be close to 30 years old. They've dedicated, say, 12, 13 years of their life to the game of baseball. And they have a sign, like, you sign for $2 million, like, yes, it's, it's life-changing money, don't get me wrong, but it's not money that's gonna, it's not money that's gonna last you the rest of your life whenever you factor in uh, when you get married and you have kids, like, if you don't, you don't have a degree, so you can't just, you can't just go and, and start working a, a good job paying six figures, you know, so it's kind of like you got to start all the way over. Um, but you like you don't have a resume built up because all you've been doing is playing baseball um, for the past 12, 13 years, you know. Um, but I, <clears throat> I think that's something like that's also something people don't don't realize. And you see guys like once they dedicated so much time to baseball, they're forced to stay in that field, you know, um, as far as like with their livelihood, whether they become a coach at the professional level um, because you don't have to have a degree to coach professional baseball. Um, yeah. That's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot going to it. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that uh, as far as the journey of what it takes to actually become a baseball player. So um, yeah. let's talk about your last year or so. So, you know, you've been in the major leagues for how long now? Um, I debuted in 17. So parts uh Parts of five years. Okay. So you were just coming to a new team last year, right? You started off your career in Toronto and then you were moving mm -hmm. to Pittsburgh. So in a new city and then COVID hit. So how did that impact as far as your season and being a new player on a new team? Um, so when COVID first hit, I was still in Toronto. They shut the season down in spring training. I didn't go to Pittsburgh until later that year. But I mean, just, just the impact that it had on that season overall. Um, and so it, it, it's pretty much like a work stoppage. So we, we pretty much had to go through the same thing if as if it was a lockout or, or if we was on strike. Like, you're not really getting paid because, like, in baseball, if you're not playing, you're not getting paid, you know? Like, we don't get paid in the offseason. So it was pretty much like a long offseason for us. Um, they, had, they had things in place to where we can – we would get stipend, stipends and stuff like during our time. So we can somewhat still live and still pay our bills. But um, yeah, it, it, def it was definitely a, a big impact um, on us. Like, cause it was, it was weird because like I was home in the summertime. I haven't been home in the summertime since I graduated high school. Yeah. And like now I'm here and we not working. Um, everything shut down. It's like, and it was, it was, it was, it was crazy for everybody too. Not just, not just us, but um, a lot of people losing their jobs. Um, but it, it definitely had a, a big impact and it. And it really made me like wake up and realize, okay, I got to like think about something other than baseball because at some point, like, even though this is temporary, mm -hmm. like this work stoppage at some point in my life, this is going to become permanent to where I can't go out there and play the game no more and get paid for it. So it made me start thinking of other 
avenues or, or, or how I want to be able to transition whenever the game of baseball is over. So um, that's what I've been working on the past year and a half. Sure. So it kind of flashed you into your future, really. You know, you were oh, able yeah. to see the, the end, even though you're still in the middle of it. Yeah, because like you, like I don't, my whole, my, pretty much since I've graduated high school, I've always, I've depended on baseball as my source of income. And I never, I never really thought about, okay, what's going to happen when the game stopped? And it made me, it made me sit there. It made me think about, okay, what's going to happen when the game stopped? This is what it's going to look like. So I need to have a plan in place for whenever that time comes. Absolutely. And also during the same season, you had to deal with a major injury. So kind of talk to us about that. I know that's not the first time that you had to overcome a major injury in your career, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was it was very devastating simply because I was finally in a position where I was getting an opportunity to play consistently at the big league level. And um, five, six days in, I, I crashed into a wall and broke my elbow. So. I mean, I don't know if you can see the scar, but I have a, a like a six inch screw in my elbow. And it was very frustrating because like I um injuries held me from getting opportunities, you know. Um and just and people being in front of me held me from getting opportunities. That was the that was the toughest part for me. Like I'm with a new team, it's a fresh start, and I'm finally getting the opportunity that I've always worked for, and now I gotta deal with another injury. And I mean Anybody's watching this, don't ever try to run, don't ever try to run into a wall when the ball is run over the <laughs> fence. So the wall will win every time. So um, just because it's got a little pad on it don't mean it's a soft wall behind it, right? Yeah, it ain't moving. <laughs> the wall ain't moving. So um yeah, that that was it was it was just devastating from that aspect of um I, like a missed opportunity kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, recovering from an injury, dealing with COVID on a new team and getting your start. So you started off the season in the major leagues. Is that the first time you started off a season in the majors or had you been on? No, nah, it was the second time. Yeah, that was my second opening. That was my first, it was my second time being on the opening day roster, but it was my first time like actually starting on opening day. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of talk us through the, the beginning of the season, because I know as a professional athlete, you know, when you walk on the field, nobody cares about everything else. They don't care that, hey, I got a new baby at home. I'm overcoming off yeah. an injury. It's perform, right? So kind of talk us through yeah. the beginning of the season for you. Yeah, I, I think at the beginning I was putting a lot of unnecessary pressure on myself. Um, I feel like that's part of the reason the performance wasn't there. And at the same time, like, like I was platooning uh, with another outfielder, so – um, I couldn't get in the rhythm, but at the same time, like that's part of life, right? Like you gotta adapt. <laughs> you gotta adapt to the situations that's put in front of you. Um, but yeah, so the night I tell you this, the night before opening day, my wife called and tell me, "Hey, I'm pregnant." Like this is before, <laughs> right before my first opening day start, and like I was kind of speechless. So I just, you know, I said, "You know, what? I'm gonna call you back." Like I just. <laughs> That was really, that was the only thing I said, I'm gonna call you back. And so yeah. she was like, she was, she was hurt a little bit. Like I just, I was just trying to process it. It wasn't like I was upset, but it was a lot of things going on, a lot of nerves flowing. But um, yeah, I had a really rough start in the first three weeks of the season. I don't think I started the season. I was like two for 24 or something like that. And I got DFA and clear waiver. They sent me back to AAA. And at that point it was like, 
I just told myself um, I'm playing for the name on the back of my jersey. You know, uh, we get like, yeah, you always want to play to win. You always want to play to help the team or the organization. But you got to be realistic with yourself and say, like, okay, we can go out there and win every game. But if I suck, you know, um, how my family going to eat whenever I'm out of whenever I don't have a job. So I, it, it just really motivated me to, um, like, be the – I feel like I, at that point I started chasing, like, more obtainable goals opposed to saying, like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do something that's unrealistic uh, or something that's out of my control. I started chasing more obtainable goals. And I just – like, every day I stepped on the field when I was in triple, I said, you know, I'm going to treat this like a showcase, like a showcase when I was in high school. And and that's what I did. And it just really just gave me that freedom to just go out there and just think about, okay, I'm just like every scout that's in the stand, like I'm about to show them what I'm capable of doing, you know? Um, and so I just kind of took off a triple A ended up being one of the best players across all of triple A, um, you know, like as far as like on my numbers, I, I put up numbers and they ended up putting me back on the 40 man. They ended up calling me back up to the big league and um, giving me, giving me a, um opportunity to play more, more often. So I know, you know, I'm not a baseball player, never have been. I played T-ball one year, right? Yeah. But when a ball is coming down 90 plus miles an hour, it's relying on practice, muscle memory, right? You can't be in the box thinking, right? Right. How do you have to remove your brain, so to speak? You know, because like you said, I'm two for 24. I'm stepping in the box. I know that I got a family to feed. My career is on the line. What did you have to do mentally to kind of separate yourself from that um really just like i say those are obtainable goals um focusing on what i could control because you can go out like baseball it's a crazy game you can go out there and do everything right mm -hmm. like everything right but the paper's gonna still say you fail when they look at that stat sheet you can go out there and and, and hit four balls on the screws and line out four times well i've had four really good at bats I barreled up the ball four times, but if I look at the paper, it still say I'm 0 for 4. Mm. And baseball, is a, I mean, any any baseball, NFL, NBA, it's all like it's about producing. If you're not producing, then they're going to get rid of you. So you got to, you know, so like I just started chasing obtainable goals. And what that did was it just gave me peace um, in a sense of like if I go out there and I, and I line out four times, like I told myself I won. You know, I didn't look at it as an 0 for 4. I looked at it as I had four good at-bats. Um, and just, I really just started chasing good at-bats um, opposed to chasing hits. Gotcha, gotcha. Instead of the big picture, you brought it down to obtainable things. So I think that's very important to take away from that. Yeah. Um, and then you ended the season, so you had a hot September, right? So you came back up from the, from the minors and, you know, you're on fire. So one of the hottest players in baseball. How did that feel to be able to know everything that you had to go through to get back to that? I felt good. I, I think in the, in the midst of all of that, what was going on, like playing in AAA this summer, um, it, I feel like it really made me stronger and really, like, taught me how to – well, I've always dealt with adversity, whether it was on the field or off the field. So, I, but in the sense of baseball, it just made me stay effort in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever happens, yeah. gonna happen. And um, once, like, in August, September, when I when I was back up in the big leagues, and I was producing, my this is probably the best year I've had 
as far as like production wise in the big at the big league level it just really gave me that confidence like okay i, I really belong here because when you struggle and you have small sample sizes and no and then during those sample sizes and you struggle like that can really take an effect on your confidence and um so the that was that was the biggest thing for me was was i like i, I needed to do that not just for the sake of proving to them, but I, I needed to prove to myself. Absolutely. So how do you take, what do you do in the off season to kind of keep up that momentum? Um, just really just build, just build on what I was doing at the end of the season, stand in contact with the, with the coaches and the guys who helped me get into that position and seeing what they think I should do this off season to, you know, take my game to another level. But just just continue to build on it, uh, work on the mental side of the game. Gotcha. You know, so I had the opportunity of meeting you last year. Got to bring the family down. We were in Florida. Got to come to a, you know a few of the games in the preseason, and it really meant a lot. You know, you took the time out, called the kids to the back, took a picture with them, and that's not something you have to do, right? That's mm-hmm. something that is in you to do. You know, and you're a giver. Where did that come from? You know, to be able to give back to other people. Oh, my mom and my grandma, <laughs> like my, my mom would go hungry. She would give away her last dollar and go hungry if there's someone in need, you know. Um, like, for example, she came up to Pittsburgh after I had the surgery last year when she came up with my wife. I gave her some money. I said, hey, mom, here goes some spending money. Like, whenever I'm gone, that way you ain't got to, like, bother daily. And... My mom, she's never really left Mississippi, right? And you know, when you go to those big cities, you see like a lot of homeless people, a lot of people sitting on the street. Like two days go by, she was like, hey, I need some more money. I'm like, what you mean? I just I just gave you a few hundred dollars. Like, why would you need more money? She was like, well, with these homeless people on I'm like, mom, look, you're in the city. <laughs> you would go broke if you gave, like every time you see every the homeless person, story. you gave. Yeah. So she was like out there, like my mom was like, I remember my wife would be at the apartment and my mom she'll like disappear for an hour and a half. I'm like, mom, where you been? She was like, well, it was this homeless person. I bought him some food and we did this. And I'm like, mom, like you can't do that. <laughs> like you can't do that, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that that's just the type of person she is. And um, I don't know. I just think for me being in this position, it's like I think what's more what's most important is the impact you have on other people's lives. Um, Cause I just know like when I was growing up, I would have loved to meet a major league player or I just know when I used to go to Steve Magnet football mm-hmm. camps in Southern Miss and like just being in his presence, you know, or him shaking my hand and him speaking to me, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. Um, so like, I just want to be able, if I can just put a smile on a kid's face or someone's face just by taking a picture with him or signing an autograph, like that's the easiest thing to do. So it's just about just actually giving them that time. Yeah. Like you said, they still talk about that now, you know, and you never know the impact or it's a small deal to you, but it could be a huge deal to a kid or somebody in need or, you know, somebody that's going through a tough time to be able to get on the field, take a picture, receive an autograph. It's big. Right. Right. Yeah. And then on top of that, like any, Anytime my wife sees somebody from Mississippi, we gonna like, especially being out there on the road, we don't see many Mississippians. So anytime yeah. we see them, we're going to try to link up or do whatever. So, Absolutely. All right. So on time out with the sports doctor, this is your final time out. So, you know, one thing that we talk about in sports is a lot of times athletes are supposed to be on the field doing their job. 
and don't you know speak on political events don't speak about social justice just do your job you know so what does it mean to you to be considered more than an athlete um i mean it means a lot like obviously i'm i'm a i'm a husband first i'm a father first i'm a son first that's something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life um I mean, eventually that jersey's got to come off, you know? So, but like I say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have more of an impact on my kids' life than I'm going to have on, on the field, you know, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it definitely means way more than I can explain, you know, um, because like, I, I just think as athletes, we have a, a bigger purpose or a bigger calling than just playing the game of baseball or football or basketball. Um, like I said, it's just about the impact you have on other people. Like, that's what's going to be remembered. Like, nobody's going to be able to tell you what I did on July 8th, 2020 or 2021. Like, but like you say, like your kid, like they still talk about that today. Mm-hmm. Like he probably don't remember. He probably don't even remember the at-bats I had or the at-bats some people had Right. whenever he watched the game of baseball. He don't remember somebody hitting a home run or somebody or who it was or but he remember taking that picture with a professional baseball player. So like that's what that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And also, you know, during that game, you got to introduce him to Joe West, who is at that time the oldest yeah. umpire and just retired. And you know, he tossed him that ball and he completely whipped at it, you know. So yeah. <laughs> I got that picture. So when he's a big time sports athlete, I have to take him back to when he was six and he just whipped at the ball. But that yeah. Was and that's, yeah. you know, that's an opportunity he'll never have again, because like you said, you know, Joe West is retired and I didn't even know at the time who he was, but to be able to meet a figure like that, you don't have that opportunity unless you have a relationship on the field, right? Oh yeah, 100%. Like, like Joe West was somebody I used to see on TV when I watched baseball. Like he's mm-hmm. one of the more popular umpires. Then that's why, like, if I... I would, I never really introduce people to umpires, like right. you know, but like it's Joe West. He's like legendary in the game of baseball, so I, I definitely wanted him to get that opportunity. Yeah, and he don't he don't realize it now, but once once he become more of a fan of baseball, right. he might realize it later down the road. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, let's talk about the Players Alliance um, and kind of how that was created and what it is. Yeah, so the Players Alliance, what they what we do is it's pretty much a of um, an alliance of African-American minority baseball players coming together. And what we do is we go into communities and um, we try to like impact, make a positive impact on um, like low, like people who grew up in poverty stricken situations and um, low income families, single parent homes, things like that. But also trying to get more African-Americans into the game of baseball by providing them with the resources, whether it's the equipment, um, donation to, to to little league teams or whatever it might be, or just introducing them to to, to players that's active in the game right now that look like them, you know, because um, you mean you you look at other look at football and basketball like most of them African American, so like you have a son like he he look at he gonna want to be like the people that look like him that you right. see on TV, you know? So, and it's not many of us in the game of baseball. So, um, yeah, like like last year with the Players Alliance, what we did was we kind of went into those low-income communities and, and gave out COVID relief supplies and, and baseball equipment 
um, and just just to make sure they have the resources that they need. That's great. That's great. Definitely a great way to give back through the game of baseball. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, hey, thank you. Hey, I know the family is chumming at the bits. I'm sure your daughter's trying to get <laughs> back to you. So I really appreciate your time. Um, and I really appreciate what you're doing, not only for your family, but for the community as a whole. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the um, platform and letting me speak. Absolutely. And hey, when I'm in Oak Grove, I might try to visit Man Man's Cafe and see what you yeah. got to offer. <laughs> come on. Come on. We'll whip you up something nice. Uh, you won't stop it. us no more. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episodes. Until later, peace.